Well, grab your passports, because the Mormon Renegade podcast is going international. On this episode, I have on Fabian. Fabian is a Mormon fundamentalist who lives in the UK. During our conversation, we talk about his conversion to the LDS Church, his subsequent noticing of changes that leads him to become a fundamentalist, and finally, the challenges of being a Mormon fundamentalist in the UK. And that's next on this episode of the Mormon Renegade Podcast. Look, it's no secret that our society has become much more crude and coarse. To become and raise men and women of virtue and character is a Herculean task. To help with this, I have recently wrote and published a book. Now, back in the 1700s, Washington had a book called Rules of Civility and Decent Behavior in Company and Conversation. It was a book with 110 rules that talked about how to conduct yourself like a civilized person in society, something that today's society is sorely lacking. What I did is I went back through the book and I reinterpreted his original sayings for the 21st century. So the book is laid out in a way in which you see Washington's original rule. Right below that is my explanation for the 21st century. And below that, you'll find two or three examples of where to use this in the real world. Now, to go along with this, there's a workbook that helps parents teach these principles and practices to their kids. To find the book, go to mormonrenegade.com, go to the bottom of the page, Search out the blog post and order your copy today. I can bear personal testimony from personal experience that this is an invaluable tool to help you raise men and women of virtue and character. Fabian, how's it going? It's going okay. It's so nice to be on your podcast. You know, I've been listening to it for so long and it's so good for someone like me who's out in the wild. Well, (laughs) well, I appreciate that. And, and, And really, I, you know... I hear that a lot and it's still somewhat humbling for me to have to have to hear. Right. Cause I'm the last guy in the world that should have ever done this. I've said that many times. Same and, thing. and, and like, I listened to my first episodes and I'm like, man, those are bad. Right. <laughs> like I was just getting my feet under me, but that's very kind of you to say, but I've, I've kind of followed you on Facebook for years because even before I was doing this podcast, I tried to kind of keep my my thumb, if you will, on the pulse of, of all things Mormon. And I'm always fascinated, not just with Mormons in Europe, but Mormons, fundamentalist Mormons in Europe, right? I mean, I, I feel like to, to use, you know, a, a term from the environmentalists, you're kind of an endangered species in, in Europe just as a Mormon. Yeah. And then as a fundamentalist Mormon, I mean... Wow. I mean, that's, that's gotta be a tough road to hoe. So, but I see your posts and, and you're super strong in your defense of the gospel from, from all angles. And so as I thought about talking to, to, to fundamentalist Mormons overseas, you were definitely at the top of that list. So I appreciate you coming on. Well, thank you. That's very kind. No, thank you very much. Yeah. So real quick, were you born in the LDS church? No, I joined the LDS church. So that's kind of like a funny thing, you know, to become a fundy when actually I was not born in the church at all. I had no connection with Mormonism. Actually, my family were not religious at all. Um, So I was born in France. That's why I've got this funny accent. And I grew up there. And my family were not into religion whatsoever. But, you know, they big it with traditions back home. So, you know, you kind of send the kids to the Catholic church and they get some 
education. You don't want them to be too religious, but you still want them to get something because that's what people do. So they sent me there. And the thing is, for some reason, I always believed there was something out there. I always believed there was a God. And, you know, in spirits and other things. I was reading to that sort of stuff as a kid. But, you know, it's funny because I remember like being 10 years old and going to, the, to Mass, going to the Catholic Church down the road all by myself. My grandmother would give me like this coin. It was like 10 francs for donation collection. I don't know what they call that. But right, and yeah. I would go and I would go by myself and I would sit on a pew all by myself and just go through it. And I was really into it. Um, and then I was asked questions, you know, I would, I, I was, I've always been a truth seeker. And I think that's why I've become what I've become, but I would ask the priest questions, you know, like when not during mass, but on Wednesday afternoon, kids don't have school back home on a Wednesday afternoon. And, and you send the kids to church to get this religious education. And the priest would read these stories and tell stories. And, and then I would go to him and ask. And, you know, I would ask about Adam and Eve. I would ask about this and that. And I don't know, even at 10 years old, I, I knew he didn't have the answer. And I knew I was so unsatisfied by what I was hearing. So it was a big, big disappointment. And I stopped going to church. So I was probably like 10, 11 um, at the time. And, um, and then I, I just believed in God, basically. And I started reading the Bible um and i prayed and how did i do I, i'm not sure i'm not sure this happened because of my background i'm not sure i became so religious but i was and um i there was a protestant girl in my school and i remember speaking to her and her father was a minister so i pushed because i was kind of you know reading the bible and turning my back like i knew catholicism was not for me was not the answer um but everything was so spiritualized they didn't believe in anything. They didn't believe in, I mean, I can't remember what denomination they were, but they didn't believe in in any of the stories in the Bible. They didn't believe there was a devil. They didn't believe in, uh, in the miracles of Jesus. I mean, everything was just a story. That's what they would tell me. It's just stories. And that didn't sit well with me either. Yeah. So I can, I can I, imagine. And, and, what, what what do you think it was that even as a young man drew you to that, right? Because look, I'll be honest, when I was a young man, I I went through my search for God, but mine was kind of precipitated by the death of my father, right? I got to know what happened to him. And the answer I got from the evangelical pastor was, um, you know, unless he, he said the right words right before he died, he's lost. So that sent me down my road. What yeah. was there an event for you that that sent you down that road? No, no, really, no. I think I was always kind of like the, I was always kind of like the lonely kind. I had, I had friends, but I did like my alone time. I did like I was very, I don't know. I always wondered about why am I here? Where am I going? What's the purpose of life? From a very young age, it was nothing specific. Um, I I just I just believed. And I remember that my family was surprised. I remember my grandfather would say, oh, we're going to make a priest out of him. And my mother was horrified. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it, I, I, I can't tell you, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. But this was like, you know, I had these questions and I, I knew I wanted a religion. And there was nowhere to, to find it. Now, at the time, when I was in high school, 
then um, there were a lot of Muslim people at my school because that's kind of like, you know, lots of people from North Africa were in my hometown and I would go to school with, with them. And I have to say that I was very inspired. Now, that was before Islam became all radicalized. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you were able to have conversations. People were very, and, and there's still a lot of people like that. I'm still friends with people, with these people. And when I go back home, we can catch up. I was very, their approach to religion was strong. They, it was not just stories for them. They believed right. in, in the Quran. They believed in the, in the prophet Muhammad. They believed in, in their God and they prayed to God and they fasted and they were very committed. And the God was a, a powerful God, which was very, I was always, and I was very drawn to the Old Testament, more so than the New Testament. And I still am. Um, so I, I think there was something there. Anyway, um, Judaism inspired me too, although I didn't know any Jews at the time. Um, and then, so I was doing my own thing and I would fast and I would pray and I would read the Bible. That, that would be that was my spiritual life and I I had a very I think a very strong religious life actually because it was not just something I would do every now and then like I would pray every day I would read the Bible every day right. I, would, I I subscribed to a course I was still in high school at the time and, and we didn't have the internet I mean this was back in in the early 90s right so and I remember like sending days I went to Switzerland because lots of Protestants there and I it was a course about the Bible I don't know where where I found it but you know and I would answer questions on a sheet and I would send it by mail on in the post you know by mail and then they would send me back the corrections and the new lesson that that was it that was kind of what I was doing and um and then back in so then summer of 95 I made the missionaries by chance Okay. Now at the time, I mean, uh, by then I'm in university, I'm in college, and I'm studying languages. So they invite me to cours d'anglais, English class. I'm like, this is perfect. Man, this is free tuition, free practice with native speakers. This is perfect. So I go and, you know, and then I'm intrigued about the religion, but I don't want to ask them mm. because I want to be indoctrinated. I don't want to be brainwashed. You know, Mormons don't have a good reputation in Europe. So... I took myself to the local library and checked they had books about the Mormons and they had three and I bought the three books and I read them and I was very drawn to it. It seemed like everything, um, everything I believed in was in there because it was a non-Trinitarian religion and I didn't believe in a Trinity. I think that was my Muslim friend's influence maybe or the Old Testament um, interest I had. Um, the fact that God was embodied was a bit weird for me. Uh, but I had been into Greek myths growing up, you know, like a really Greek mythology and all that. So I don't like, you know, I could maybe, I don't know, get my mind around that one. Um, polygamy was not an issue because we, the only thing I knew about Mormons was they are polygamists. I don't know. That's kind of what everybody thinks they know back home. Sure. And I was okay with that. That was not a problem. The priesthood ban was an issue. Uh, I remember, you know, I didn't sit well with me. So basically these books were not faith-promoting books. They were critical books. And and, and they delved into, you know, like some deep doctrine as well. 
uh, I think even one of them touched, but Adam being God and, you know, and I was wow. like, okay. Um, so it was very positive. I was very drawn to it because it seemed like everything I believed in, it, it was contained in, in Mormonism. Mormonism had all, all, all of that. So it was fascinating. And I'm like, my gosh, this is it. This could be it. I don't know. And then all the other stuff, I'm like, oh, this is a bit weird. This is so contrary to anything I believed in so far, especially the embodied God and, and all that sort of stuff, you know. Um, so I didn't know. I remember praying that night. Um, I prayed to God and I remember saying something like, I've got too many choices now. I'm four because I had these religions. I didn't know to, which one to choose. And now there's one more. There's one more to choose from. And I'm lost. I need to show me. You need to show me the way because I'm, I'm lost. I don't know what to do. Um, and nothing happened. But the next day, I was in the countryside with friends. We were going, we're staying there in there. They had a, you would call that a, a cabin in the, okay. in the States. Okay. So that was like in the, in the mountains, in the woods. And, and it was a few of us going there. And and we're done for this walk. We walked in the woods, and and then I was starting to think about what I had read, and I started to think about my prayer, and and David, this thing came to me, this testimony that always makes me a bit emotional when I talk about it, because it was the most powerful thing I ever experienced in my life. This grace, I called it at the time. This inner light it started like in my heart and then it started to in every part of my body until I felt like I was floating you know and I was not a confident kid maybe that's why I turned to religion you know I was kind of like oh I don't know you know I was not I was shy you know but I remember feeling on top of the world the world I looked around to the woods and mountains and I'm like the world belongs to me and I belong to the world and I felt so elated. I felt like I was floating. My feet were not touching the ground. It was absolutely amazing. And I knew. And I knew. And I remember walking up to a friend there. And I said, Rebecca, I have found my religion. And that was it. And so after the weekend, go back home. And all I can think of all the weekends, like, I need to call the missionaries. I need to call them. And I need to take these lessons. But I already knew, I mean, most of that stuff, I already knew, but yeah, and it was, I don't know, it was just absolutely amazing, this testimony I received, and it sustained me all, all, all through the years, because being in Europe is not, it's not easy to be a Mormon anywhere, but in Europe, so isolated. Mm -hmm. Now, being a fundy as well, like, you're like, but th this is kind of what, you know, my feet didn't touch the ground, but that's kind of what grounds me, and what's right. grounding of all these years i mean that was back in 95 that's where you you were you joined the church too that yeah. was like almost 30 years ago gosh we're old you know i know i know and i was oh. only 19 i was only 19 at the time and uh and that's it and then i got baptized a month later i got baptized in a river in in, in france it's funny because the missionaries didn't think i was um see i knew and then he was, I was a Mormon before, before we knew it. But I asked so many questions because I wanted to be very serious about it. And so I asked me questions. And I thought, well, maybe he's doubting. You know, they told me, he said, well, are you not sure? I said, no, I am. I just, I just want to know how this works. So they would do so much research. I mean, bless him. And one of them I'm still friends with. I'm still friends with one of my missionaries. Um, 
and he visits every now and then comes to London I go to Utah it's you know he's got his family his kids are all going up graduating from high school I'm like gosh how did that happen um so it's you know like they, they were but are, are you sure that's what you want I said no I, I know but I've got many questions I've always had if I'm going to commit to it I, I need to be one person sure I need to do it properly I don't want to make a mockery or, or, or other things and then so I was baptized um a month and a half later that's wow. that's yeah that's how it happened uh, so, how so what, church. what was your experience like in the LDS church you know it was good it was good I think you know they were my second family in a way my first family I didn't have my dad kind of like went away when I was seven for another woman didn't have a relationship with my dad my mom was not really communicative so I was on my own and you know like you said what maybe because I, I didn't have a strong family foundation I, I, I didn't have anything grounding me and I think that's why I turned to religion maybe you know mm -hmm. to find some answers some structure I didn't have in my life and I wanted to have um, you know it can explain in so many different ways my experience in the church was good I I was very active in the church and I had different callings and you know we're a small ward I mean it's mm -hmm. very different for if you're in Utah when I was in Utah it, it was a different world but you know when you're small we're a small branch and then we came a ward and we got our own building I remember like they built the church a meeting house it was amazing to to have it before that we met in uh we gathered in in someone's apartment well actually it was an apartment that the church rented but it was an apartment um and we were a real community and and very interesting discussions and actually because we're from a, a small i don't know i think the church was so different back in 95 still i mean people would talk openly about eternal progression about may magdalene being the wife of jesus that was things that were talked about in prison sure. meetings or sunday school dude i i remember that I remember those yeah. days because when, when I joined the church, um, my mom went and talked to her faith leader and he's like, well, have them read some of these. And they were just excerpts from the journal of discourses. And so I did freak out my missionaries and I freaked out who would be my Bishop. And then eventually my stake president. And then finally he says, you gotta go talk to, uh, our stake patriarch who was an old guy who had, he, he had lived a, a pretty substantial life and his grandfather was a polygamist, right? Right. <clears throat> and so he was willing to break down all this stuff for me. But I, I do remember having conversations about plural marriage, right? It wasn't such mm -hmm. a, I mean, definitely you could, you would see people start to squirm a little bit when you brought it up, but they would be, they'd be willing to talk about it. And yeah. what I saw through the years is, is this distancing, this, this, yeah this this willingness to call either either say joseph didn't do it or brigham did it but brigham was wrong and and there's there's definitely been a shift in thinking on that yeah. so i can totally identify with you on that yeah it's very you know it's very interesting because now like here because i i don't go to the lds but you know when i hear things when people tell me stuff or when i read stuff i'm like my gosh it's changed beyond recognition it's uh I mean, these people are saying just never practice polygamy. Back home in my home world, everybody said that. They were not embarrassed by it. They said, we're not practicing it now. It would be reinstated during the millennium and in, you know, in the, in the next world. But 
it, it was a thing. It was not, I don't know. I, so it was different. Uh, it was, di but it, it just gave me everything I, I needed. And I felt the spirit so strong. I loved going to meetings. Uh, I was so involved with the church. I did a lot of work with missionaries as well. And I know that a lot of people were, because of the language, sometimes it was easier because of the culture. Sure. It was different easier for me to communicate uh with people because you know like it's not just speaking it's you know you speak to people it's you need to speak their own language but in all kinds of ways not just through words so i think it was very useful to them in that in that respect uh and i absolutely loved being uh being a member of a church uh until until it didn't work anymore and what was it that caused it not to work anymore, Fabian? At, w at what point did you start to think, uh-oh, something's not right here? Something's think, Well, like three years down the road, I just thought the way things were being done, um, I think it lacked spirituality. It seemed to be more, like even like when I worked with missionaries, they talked about quotas and everything. And I just thought, well, you, that's not how it works. You know, you need to, you want to convert people, you want to convert their heart, like they, you need to touch their heart. They need to have a real um, conversion. They need to have their own testimony. They say, well, we only need, you know, we need to pick them up by car, you know, like they need to bring them to, to church. They need to, uh, in a way, like to force people in a way to to to, to be there sure. and to join the church. And it was so different from my own experience. You know, I would just walk to church and there's no bus on a Sunday, so I would walk like 50 minutes in the sun because I was in the summer just to go to meetings because I wanted to. And I thought, well, I don't. I, there are different things that were happening in my life on a on a personal level. I was trying to not to doubt the doctrine, actually, not to doubt. Doc, I never did that, but just to doubt the the organization. Yeah, the people in it. They were fireable men, and you know when you read the scriptures, I read in the scriptures and the apostles, Jesus chose we're not perfect men i mean it, you know it told them off quite a few times you know right. children women would approach him and they seem to know him better yeah and understand him better than the apostles did so it's not like i was rejecting the leaders of a church i was more kind of like questioning their wisdom with certain things um but the gospel, I never, you know, I always felt strong. And, you know, and, and like I said, like in that ward, I think some people were a bit, you know, closet fundies, I think. I remember one, I, I, can't, I don't know if it was Sunday school or something, but someone produced this quote from Brigham Young. And as it was from the Journal of Discourses, now I know it now, but it was about Adam had taken one of his wives and come to this world. And I'm like, whoa, never heard this, but you know what? This is good stuff. I love this. Um, but yeah, so, and then I moved to the UK and, you know, let's just say that it was like my relationship with the church um, broke down and it's like, you know, you were good for each other for a time, for mm -hmm. five years. Because I was a member, you know, for five years, we're good for each other for five years and then we're not so good for each other anymore. It was better to go separate ways. Gotcha. That's I, kind of what happened. yeah I, I remember the first time i didn't realize it at the time what it was i thought it was me right i thought there was something i wasn't understanding something and i still wasn't but but it became clear and and, and the first time i remember thinking okay something doesn't feel right was i went to the temple 
and of course I have my hair blown back, right? Because that's just an experience in itself. And I, I enjoyed it, but it felt disjointed, right? It didn't feel like it flowed like it should have, right? The, 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 the presentation and the knowledge that was passed along. And so I just kept going back. Like I was a weekly temple attender. Let's, let's just go back. Let's figure this out. What, what am I missing? Cause I kept saying, it's gotta be me. I gotta be missing something. And then eventually through the course of, of events, when I start doing serious research, I'm like, Oh, it's been changed. Right. And when I figure out it's been changed and it doesn't flow, and then I figure out what the reasons why that's when, when I started to really. Yeah. Right. But, but my story's weird and a little different. I mean, you're talking to a guy who was a practicing polygamist who still went to the LDS church on the DL and held, yeah, held callings. Every, everyone's experience different. Uh, everyone's circumstances are different. But I think, yeah, for me, it was just a progression. I was, you know, making some personal choices at the time and everything. And I, I moved to a different country. It was just big changes in my life at the time. Um, I, and I kind of went back to what I knew before I was a member for a while, which mm-hmm. meant reading the scriptures, praying, fasting, you know, I, I kind of went back to that. And I remember, you know, making Christian friends, having discussions with them and realizing that actually my beliefs were not Christian. They were very Mormon. And I was right. a Mormon and there was no way around it. And I started to read, you know, I'd taken books. So, you know, it shows you that over my relationship with the church had broken down. I had taken books from home, you know, I carried them in my, I didn't, I didn't take much, you know, from France when I moved to the, to the UK, but I took some Mormon books um things like the Talmage books you know and I started reading them again and everything of them at work and people were like what are you reading weird stuff okay you know I didn't make many friends I guess you know at the, uh, then but I was reading that and then um one thing leading to another thing I ordered a book by you know the the Tanners Gerald and Senator Tanner sure. and these people I mean I love these people you know um because they interest me to the fullness of the gospel right so many things that were hidden you couldn't find anywhere it was just the internet was just you know really coming to life at the time um but in there were so many things that now would say well i discard this but at the time i would just take it all you know anything uh all this stuff that was saying against Joyce smith or brigham young and and you know blood atonement and all and and, and many crazy things i'm like I'm reading it all. I'm taking it. I don't know. It just felt like I was rediscovering my religion. And at the same time, you know, I think I was starting my conversion to, I was becoming, it was, I started, you know, I was on the path to become a fundamentalist. I didn't know it yet. But that's kind of what it did. And, you know, and many of these quotations and everything from the general discourses and other things, journals, and instead of putting me off Mormonism, they kind of made me want to become an investigator again. I, I knew I didn't want to be a member of the LDS church anymore. Things had started to change there again. And I just, I thought, what's going on there? Um, you know, and I was at a time where Big Love came out too. 
and I, 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 I love that show because, uh, you know, it made me miss Utah and my friends there and, and everything. And it also gave me the idea that actually you can be Mormon outside the LDS church, outside the organization, which I didn't know at the time. Right. You know? Say Mormons, that's the LDS church. If you're not in the LDS church, you can't be a Mormon. Right. So, and that's why I thought, well, I was not a Mormon anymore, I guess. And But I still was. And then I watched that show. And one episode, you know, like a, one of the characters get baptized and I started crying. Hmm. And I cried and cried. And I'm like, whoa, what's going on here? But I just knew I missed it. And I just knew I had to find my way and and find a way to 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 be there again, to be a Mormon again, to be baptized again. So... Yeah. That's a huge, I read, yeah, that's a huge step, right? I mean, yeah, to, to, I was not expecting it at the time, you know, but it just, and then I participated in some forums, you know, you had the Yahoo forums and, and mm. there were a lot of people that I'm still friends with to this day were contributing to that. And so I started talking, it was, but I wouldn't say, I, I, at the time I didn't think that's where it was going to lead to. I thought I'm interested in it. I find it fascinating. I ordered Joe Briney's book, Understanding, um, the Adam God doctrine or teachings, right? Yep. Yeah, that and I, I, all of the, the quotes and the put together, it was fantastic. And I again, I was just wow, this is this is it. I love this. I love this. I just that's what I was doing, David. On my you know, on my days off, I would just be reading Mormon doctrine and all these books and everything. And I felt like this fire inside me. But it was not until I went to Utah again in two thousand and nine. And by chance, I just came across a gathering of FLDS people and all the fundamentalists in downtown Salt Lake City. And, and it was toward, by, by accident, actually. I was not meant to be there, but, you know, things happen. And I, I just crossed there and started talking to people. Uh, spoke to Anne Wild, you know, like Odin's mm -hmm. um, wife. Uh, and other people were involved in different groups and independents and got some contacts and we met again for for dinner but i remember like that gathering of of this fundamentalist there um i think i received another testimony there i i there was a speech and i can't tell you what the speech was about i have no idea i can't i have no recollection whatsoever but i remember standing there looking around me and looking at the trees and uh, i don't know there's this golden light almost like and i felt again like so so light so alive so serene and i'm like whoa what's going on um I, but i knew what was going on and i knew and then i met them for dinner i met Anwald and other people they were independents and i said we can get you baptized if you like and and i remember riding the the tracks in like the streetcar mm -hmm. What do you call it? Right, yeah, yeah tracks. Yep. Downtown, because we met in Sandy, and then I, I was staying in downtown Salt Lake, and my gosh, I just felt the spirit so strong on that ride back. And they gave me some material, you know, some Odin Kratz books and the revelations, you know, the John Taylor's revelations, yep. and all that stuff. And I read that, you know, I got back to my to my hotel room, and I, I, I read all that. And I'm like, whoa, man, this is it. And I remember going the next day, I went to... um. Actually, no, that was the day before. Um, after that gathering, I went to Desert Book and I bought myself a new triptych because I didn't have one in uh, in uh, in English. You know, like uh, mm -hmm. I just had my French Book of Mormon and I mean, like triptych in French and and the Bible. They don't do the combo. 
the quads. Okay. Yeah, I don't do the quads. So I got I got myself a quad, and I think I don't know. I think it just because I knew that this was it, but it scared me. I remember sitting at, in Temple Square and I thought, how I'm going to make this work? Sure. Because it was one thing to know that I had a testimony and that was it. And that's what I believed in. It was not just an interest anymore. It was my faith. And I had a testimony, but I'm like, my gosh, well, I'm going to make it work. I'm all alone in the UK. I'm not even married. I don't even have one wife. I mean, why about thinking of polygamy? Uh, and it's not going to get any better, you know, if I become a fondy because I'd be this weirdo. And I'm like, gosh, how am I going to handle that? I, I, it was scary. I was scared. I was scared. But I couldn't ignore what I had received. And I had to, had to proceed. But, you know, there's it, been a few bumps on the road. But um, I think it took me four years to get back to... The southwest and i got i find my i got rebaptized and reordained to the priesthood uh in a group of independents in uh in arizona and um and i've been a fondy since then and i'm still strong in the faith and i'm still learning and your podcast has really been a, a godsend because you know for someone like me who's in europe um with no community with no people i can hang out with um, you know, having a podcast like these voices, you guys are with me on my way to work. And it's like going to meeting before starting work. And that's absolutely amazing. It's the best way to start the day. Uh, so I, I can't thank you enough for oh. putting this podcast out there. Honestly, this is, you know, really, really good for me. So yeah, so I've been a, I've been a fundamentalist for the last um, 11 years now. I want to go back to something you said where you were sitting in temple and i i'm sorry i got some sort of bug or something and my voice is cracking a little bit but when when you were when you were sitting on temple square and you yeah. said you're scared right because now now you've got to set out on this new journey i mean like i said yeah. before you were already an endangered species in europe right yeah. and now you're about to get put through another filter where there is there's even less minority and a minority and a minority I, exactly yeah. exactly yeah. and so so you're making this you understand that that this road in front of me isn't necessarily smooth by any stretch of the imagination this is pretty pretty rough road to to travel yeah what was it that gave you the first the desire to want to go down that road and then to the tenacity to stay on it right because it's one thing to say yeah, this is what I'm going to have to do. It's another thing to have to go through the daily grind of doing it, right? So so what was it that that propelled you down that road? You know, like the testimonies I received, you know, every time I went down on my knees and prayed, I felt the spirit and the spirit was telling me, this is it, this is your path. And, and you have to follow. And I love my God and I love my religion. And I cannot turn my back on that. But I knew it was like, from a logical point of view, it made no sense. It made no sense because I was I was going back to to Europe and I live here. I still don't. Ten years, eleven years later, I still don't know any other fundamentalist in the UK or in Europe. Sometimes people do contact me, ask a few questions, and they disappear. They say they want to. I had two people saying they wanted to be baptized, and then they they back off or or they just disappear into thin air like they you know facebook is blocked or they blocked me or they, i don't know uh so 
it's it's a very lonely road and i knew it would be very tricky it wouldn't make it didn't make any sense from a logical point of view in a way but that i i knew that that's what god was telling me to do that was my path and i still haven't worked out quite a few things but uh but I, I still need to keep going. I need to keep going. But, you know, at the same time, um, I was there and I was scared. But, I mean, when you feel the spirit, when you know that God is with you, it's like, well, I, 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 I go along. It's going to work out somehow. You need to have faith, of course. And, and you know, just when I read the scriptures, when I pray, when, you know, I just, I, I just, it's fine. I'm all alone here, but it's okay because I'm not alone. I've got the spirit. I've got the knowledge. I've got the truth. And that to me is invaluable. I wouldn't want to trade that for, for anything in the world. And that's what keeps me going. That's what keeps me going. And that's why I feel like I'm so strong in the faith. I'm not perfect. I mean, you know, I've messed up quite a few times uh, between, you know, since then. Um, but, you know, I always find my way back. And I, if anything, I think I'm more convinced today than, I've, than I ever was that Mormonism is true. Hmm. Of a truth is Mormonism, whatever you, how you, where you want to put it. But, you know, so, yeah, so it was no doubt. But, yeah, it, it was scary. And there are times when you're like, he got these doubts and, and thinking, I don't know if I can do this. But you keep going. That's what we're here for. Yeah, yeah. So w- let me ask you this. What, in 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 your sphere of of existence out there in, in Europe, what are people's reactions like when you tell them you're a Mormon fundamentalist? I mean, what, what do they tend to do? I mean, I know, I know here in the States, right? Like I tell someone I'm a Mormon fundamentalist and they say, do your wives wear, wear those weird dresses? And I'm like, only on Tuesdays. Right. So I have fun with it, but I mean, you do. Yeah. You do have some good comebacks. Yeah. I heard but, them. but I mean, what, 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 what are you the know, reactions you get? Well, you can guess they're not very good. And I think, you know, I'm proud of my religion and I can talk about it forever. You know, if people are going to start the topic, I can go on and on and on and on. Uh, But I'm not going to volunteer the information because, or some people ask, I would say, well, you know, I mean, what what do you think, you know, or or, or, are you a Christian? I say, well, what's the definition of Christian to you? And then, you know, then you can work from there. Um, But, you know, people, yeah. I remember like uh, I, I was um, this guy I work with sent me this uh, this WhatsApp last summer uh, and I knew why. But he says, oh, are you uh, are you with the FLDS? Uh, is that your group? And I'm like, dude, you've been watching this Keep Sweet. Oh, what is it called? Like, no, uh, Obey or yep, keep, keep Sweet, sweet. And Obey or something. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. I'm like, you say, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I, I knew that's what you were asking. I said, no, this is not me. I'm a I'm an independent I'm not part of this group. There are very good people in this group. I met some wonderful FLDS members, but no, this is not. And I don't know if that program is a reflection of reality. I don't know. I'm sure some things have been distorted as well, but this is not my group. But people, yeah, they, because that's what they see in the media, in the movies, in uh, documentaries or, you know, so-called documentaries uh, and in, in, the, in, in the press. It's always the most sensationalized stuff. It's always the most extreme stuff. So people think that and like, but you're not like that. You don't dress like that. You're not, you know, you, 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 you're a normal guy. I'm like, yeah, because we are normal people. Um, I remember like, uh, uh, they uh, met this, um, 
girl you and uh we went to dinner together and uh she she said well i was told not to not to meet you tonight i said well who said that she said well my best friend said i shouldn't go i said well, why not well because you're a mormon and she said if i go you know maybe you're gonna drug put some drug in my drink and drug me i'm gonna wake up in some farmer's compound wife number seven i said no nah, you're safe you're safe don't worry it's all good um so you get like these silly. I mean, most of the time they make me laugh because it's so it's so silly. It's so stupid. You're like, come on. I mean, really? Yeah. I mean, yeah. You, know, I, you I, should know it better now. I mean, yeah. the internet is out there. You got lots of information. You can get information if you want to. It's, but people, it, people, it, yeah, people are scared. Or and because you know, because also because it's a it's a minority religion. Like I had some sure. people Catholic tell me well this is weird you believe like you know an angel gives some gold plates to a man in america and you believe that you know this i said but you believe an angel came to this young girl and said she was going to be pregnant with right which actually was god was himself incarnating himself in her because you believe in the it's just one person and but there's no person and so why is it more crazy just because your religion is more you know what's pride it's everywhere you know you know many catholics and it's fine and but no i mean as soon as you're going to start dealing with you know with religion you know, with a topic of religion it's going to be some strange things things that appear to be strange but you know it's like an angel giving plates to joseph joseph is weird it can't have happened but you know an angel saying to a girl yeah, yeah. you're gonna get pregnant with the son of god you know right. um right. that's okay that's fine yeah it's different um you know- so sorry no go ahead no so the reactions can be can be i don't know comical and uh everything but but yeah i i got some people who just refused to to be friends or we were friends and wanted to find they found out about my religion to say dude we can't be friends anymore i said well mm-hmm. i've never tried to convert you this is not what i'm trying to do we just we're just friends and everything and i don't think i ever uh, you know so it's funny because you know if you say but they're like well why are you telling me this but if you don't say it you know when you meet people a few times they think what did you hide this information well because the topic we didn't talk about a religion um right. uh, so yeah it can be it can be a bit weird but yeah people have they just think we're like we're flds basically gotcha, gotcha. you're a better man than me because had i been on a date with that girl and she just said you're gonna drug me i was like no not on the first date. We do that after the second. So because no, you're, you're funnier than I am, you got a better sense of humor. That's why. But, but, but no, I, I, of you. I uh, can't get enough of the Mormon Renegade podcast. Well, good news. We're on Patreon, and there's three packages that you can choose from. The first one, the slightly rowdy package, allows you to hear the podcast without all those pesky commercials getting in the way. For those who want a slightly more in-depth experience, there's the stirring it up package where you can hear ad-free audio, ad-free video, and transcripts. Finally, for those who want to go full Renegade, that package is available too, where you can get everything in the previous two packages, plus an extra show where myself and Ben Winfield break down the news of the day from a very Mormon point of view. You will also get exclusive access to Renegade Chat, and on there you'll be able to talk to others about the show or whatever topics are on your mind. Go to Patreon today and get your exclusive content. It's always fascinating because you do get it here a little bit too, right? Not to the degree that I think you're going to get it in Europe because to a certain extent, 
especially living in the inner mountain west of the United States, people have been desensitized to it a little bit, right? You've had shows like um, Sister Wives and, and you know, My Five Wives and and various reality shows on, on plural yeah. marriage, which I think has got, done some stuff to... Um, to to kind of open that world up a little bit yeah so but what i'm fascinated with is that because it does happen in the states too is that you can have an alternative lifestyle as long as it's on the left side of the spectrum right mm-hmm. but if you have a alternative lifestyle that maybe comes from quote the right side of the spectrum you know yeah. you're more traditional and, and gender roles or those sorts of things well now yeah. you now now you're a bad guy or you're a bad person which yeah. is just it's hilarious in some ways because the side that says well you should be non-judgmental you should be more open be kind yeah yeah really aren't no anybody outside their ideology they're the most vicious people i've ever encountered right right so yeah so you can be polyamorous you can just you know you know i, I don't, I don't know if i'm allowed to say that word but to screw your way around town if you like right. and that's fine that's fine but god forbid you know you can you want to be committed to more than one person to more than one wife and be responsible and and to provide and yeah that no you can't have that this is disgusting right right yeah i do i do find that kind of interesting so let me ask you this because this i think this will end up tying in a little bit to your experience in in europe and in the uk specifically so there's already a sense of if if you have a quote alternative lifestyle that comes from the right side of the spectrum you're gonna you're gonna feel a little bit of heat yeah but now you throw into this idea of, well, I, I'm really more for marriage between men and women, or maybe you're not super excited about the trans movement. Mm-hmm. Do you find that the, because you've been to, to Utah and you've been to the States as well. Do you find that maybe the veracity with which the left side has in Europe, is it stronger than what it is in America? I think it's pretty similar. Uh, I mean, in the UK, in Europe, on on the continent, it's very different. I think they're still kind of like 10 years behind. And that's good, you know. I used to hate that at the time when I lived there, when I was young, you know. But but in the UK, yeah, it's pretty much, we get all the crap, sorry, but all the crap that comes from, you know, from America, like it's very, you know, we get it, you know, like a few years later. So it is it is as bad here. I mean, you know, we're talking about renaming colleges, removing statues, um, mm. you know, the curriculum in schools and universities being changed. Um, and I mean, we've even got like literature uh, that's being edited. Now, this is very 1984. Um, you know, Walt Dahl, um, the guy who wrote like the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and mm-hmm. other things. Now, his work is being reprinted, but it's being edited. And a lot of words have been changed. Uh, for example, there's no, hang on, I got a list here somewhere, but a lot of words have been changed. For example, there's no description of people being uh, ugly. Or fat because you know you don't want to offend people um so the umpa loompa 
uh, they're not tiny anymore. They're just small because you know it's it's not it's not a good thing. There are other people instead of saying the small the small men, they're now the small people because they want to be gender neutral. So lots of references about gender have been purged for for his from his work. Uh, boys and girls has now changed has been changed to children. Um, the cloud, cloud men are cloud people. So all that stuff. Oh, and another fantastic Mr. Fox. Um, so in that story, the three sons and now three daughters. Why? We don't know. You know, the author wanted to have three sons, but now three daughters. Uh, the witches, there was a witch that worked as a cashier at a supermarket. She's like a top scientist because you need, you know. You can't empower. offend the wicked. It's, you know, it's, so it's all in the name of inclusion. And like you were saying, you know, all these people want to be, uh, you know, the big kind crowd. All these people want inclusion, and it's everything but inclusion. It's kind of like no, it's 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 purging uh, everything. It's censorship. We say this about sensitivity. It's not. It's 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 censorship. It's wrong speak. It's Stalinist. It's it's incredible that it's actually happening because all that, like you would have said, even six years, five years ago, people would say this is no, this is dystopian thing you know this is in your mind this is like you know this you're crazy and i this is happening this is happening everywhere um and the trans movement is is very big in uh, in the uk uh it's been written in law in some parts of the uk that you cannot if you question it this is a criminal offense i um, i have read some stories of I you think know they call it dead naming if if someone transitions and yes says, you know they're now Caitlin instead of Kurt you can go to you can be slapped with a fine or even jail time for yeah using the original yeah. so if you misgender someone or if you're you know it's seen as being transphobic and all that and you know it's it's very hard to to find your way actually you know when I uh I had met someone uh in Utah, back in 98 or 97 in Utah there was this girl um called Mandy and I could tell I was very naive at the time but I could tell she hadn't been she wasn't born Mandy you know but I always respected her and I used I used to say she and her mm-hmm. and now like some people accuse me of being a transphobic and everything it's like dude <laughs> you know come on um but it, it's just gone so I don't know it's like I, I, I'm lost I don't understand the terminology I don't understand everything like what they do the flag getting changed you know like every every five minutes is like new colors new new shapes on it I'm like I don't know what's going on right but you know it's 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 everywhere it's in the corporate world it's everywhere people cannot say anything because you know money is money and they don't want to lose their job that's how they they get people to to align I think that's why a lot of these you know lots of these groups lots of these you know, minority groups or or the hard left, basically, that have hijacked everything. Uh, you know, I think that's how, that's how they they proceed. They just infiltrate institutions and the corporate world because they're like, well, once it's there, it's there, and you you cannot say anything against us because you know we'll make sure you lose your job if you do. And right. there's no debate. There hasn't been any debate. You know, Parliament passed laws protecting this and that and doing this and that. But there hasn't been any any real debate. Uh, I think it's just gone so fast and, and things have changed so much and people are just are just lost. Yeah. You know? But it makes it very difficult for someone like us because, you know, you got these beliefs that all of a sudden are very controversial, you right. know. Uh, and, and you're like, whoa. I mean, you know, if children's books need to be edited then what's next the bible there's so much right. violence 
there's incest, there's, you know, war and there's uh, adultery. I mean, there's so much going on in the Bible. You know, that's that's interesting. You should bring that up because up in Davis County, you know, Ogden area up here for for about a week, they they did away with the Bible in the the school libraries. Right. And yeah. And I read about that and I was not surprised because, you know, I can see that coming here. I really right. can. But the, the thing that surprises me is it's Utah, right? It's it's one mm-hmm. thing to do that in in New York somewhere or California or somewhere in Europe. It's another right. thing to do it in Utah, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's damn near theocracy here, right? <laughs> I mean, and, and and for them to be able to get away with it. Now, granted, and good on them, the parents, you know, raise hell about it and and the bible was put back in but it goes to show you that 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 it's coming right um and and the danger in this isn't just spiritual right the the spiritual danger is the worst part part of all but what what a lot of folks don't understand is that western culture and i'm not talking about west just being america or just being the inner mountain west of america i'm talking about western culture yeah france england you know germany to a large extent those countries have predominantly been the west and it's out of the west that mankind has been able to take its greatest strides and the underpinnings of of what made the west globally what it was were were traditional judeo-christian principles and so now if you can edit those you have you have essentially taken out the underpinnings of what made the west the west and the the my fear is is that the replacement of that is is 1984 it's communist it's it's revolution it's socialism and so there's a real danger here in this absolutely and the replacement that's exactly what it is and you know and 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 you see that and you know i I because of you know my beliefs i just feel like you know, all of a sudden men are bad, all of a sudden like this is bad. And it's like, well, you basically saying that anything that the Bible actually teaches or describes is actually bad, you know? So, and you're like, this is very, very you know, I, yeah, I can, I can really see the danger and I can really see like the Bible being banned. Like there's some parts in the UK where there's a lot of, it's a hate crime law. I think it's, or oh, I can't remember what it's called. Um, but basically, um, if someone's offended by something you say, even in your, in the privacy of your own home, you can be prosecuted. If there is material that they deem to be anathema, uh, <clears throat> that's like not acceptable, mm-hmm. uh, then they can remove. The police are actually allowed to come into your home and remove those books. Now, I mean, I need to start hiding my journal of discourses there. You know, because there's a lot of things in there that the walk people are not going to like. Right. Let me ask you this, and 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 forgive me for my ignorance on this question. Does the UK have something that would be considered the same as our First Amendment? Something that you can stand on and say, I have this right granted to me by God, and you can't take this First Amendment right away. Do you guys have something similar to that in the in the UK? not really the thing about the uk is that there's no written constitution 
so there is what we call a constitution it's kind of like a floating thing it's a it's a series of like understandings that that's the way things work like the monarchy parliament all that sort of things and how they are checks uh you know for checks and balance but so but there's no written constitution you cannot say we don't really have freedom of speech it's not really I mean, there is. I mean, you know, the UK have always been much more liberal than, say, France and other parts, you know, and that's why, you know, like the early leaders were based in the UK, not just for the language, but because they could publish books. The Book of Mormon, like the French translation, for example, uh, was, you know, printed in uh, in the UK and then they could, you know, import them and everything. Right. So uh, the UK has been much more liberal and I think, you know, lots of things... I know you Americans want to break away from Britain, but you know a lot of things. You you took you, you took all the I know, but you took all the um all the good stuff too. You know, I mean, the value of the individual and the you know and the right to property, and the the ideal of liberty. All this is British originally, right? It, it is. Yeah. No. It, uh, it, no. It 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 it, and, it absolutely is. I, I guess. But, but, I guess the yeah, but we don't have any document that we can say no, this is it, and it's you know enshrined in law, and therefore you cannot take that away from us. We don't have that, right? No, there, there's no way we have the Constitution without the Magna Carta, right? I mean, that's just that's just the truth of it, and, and a lot of that was spelled out there. I guess the difference would have been we wrote it down, right? I mean, that's that's yeah. that's really what happened. Those men fought it out on the yeah. battlefield of ideas and they, and they hammered out the constitution and they wrote it down. I think the other thing that was unique there is that it really made the constitution. And this is about the only thing that I agree with Barack Obama on is that okay. he went, he once said that, uh, that the constitution was a charter of negative liberties on the government. And I believe that wholeheartedly. Good. Right. Good. Right. That's a good yeah. thing to have. Right. Yeah. And so, I was just curious if there was something that you could stand on that was the equivalent of that, right? Not really, just tradition, which is which has always been a big thing in there in in the UK, you know, uh, and just uh, and, and 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 common law. Um, but you know, like all the people, the champions of freedom now uh, are, are, are really being portrayed as being you know, racist people from the colonial times and everything. And, and 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 they want to erase their memory. I mean, everything, all the heroes, all the British heroes and people that I really consider to be heroes. Uh, and I think it's the same in the, in, in the States, you know, like, yeah. uh, like Thomas Jefferson and all the people, all the founding fathers to be like these evil men, you know, right. and it's the same in the UK. So you got this, uh, they change the history, they rewrite history and they, they just, destroy all the myths if you want to call them myths and you know and, and and everything gets turned upside down until they got the clean slate of like the new history that they everything everything that they believe now needs to be represented in the past you know it's kind of like well let's see the past for what it was like the books you know like the change in the book it's like well now you wouldn't write the stuff that this author wrote but back in the day that's what you said that's kind of what society was like but people like the walk people they just want the past to be the same you know they, they just want their distorted view of the world and their so-called values to be written 
in past documents and in history. You know, this is really like 1984, isn't it? Sure it is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I've said for a long time, uh, they may not be prophets, but they were prophetic. And that is George Orwell yeah. and Ayn Rand. I think yeah. I think they both got some things really right, unfortunately. You know, it's the same like for the slavery issue, for example, which is, you know, a thing in Britain. But, you know, Britain and Christians in the UK are where, you know, really, I mean, Britain ended the slave trade in 1807, much earlier than France and America, of course. And it was a very lucrative thing. So for them to actually decide to make it, you know, uh, unlawful and to end it, is actually something to, to celebrate. But no, they don't want to celebrate Britain. They don't want to say that Parliament did a good thing. Actually, I went to this museum in London uh, that talked about that a little bit. And they said, actually, they ended it because the men who voted to end slavery uh, benefited from it because there would be compensations and all that. I mean, you can't win. You can't win. You right. know, uh, it's, yeah, absolutely crazy. But, you know, it's at every every level now. You go to museums and they, they everything's changed. You know, they just want to see everything. Some instruments have been removed uh, because the ivory had been, you know, brought from Africa and all that. And um, it's, yeah. Even so, Shakespeare is on the list of like... Uh, Maybe, yeah, yeah, because it contains some racist and misogynistic uh, passages. So it's like it might be on the list of things that need to be. There's a trigger warning before any production. I mean, in for in, in, for certain plays in certain places. It's crazy. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Where do you think that leaves you then in the UK in the coming years if this is not stifled? Uh I really think that things need to, I mean, they're going so far now. I, I think something needs to change. And if they keep going the way they are, it's going to be the demise of society because a family is under attack. Christians are under attack. I mean, everything that we value is under attack. So I think it will be total anarchy and people cannot cope with life because everyone is so sensitive and everyone's like, you know, you hurt my feelings and that. I think it would just, it would just implode because there's going to be always a faction that's going to be against the other one. And then they, they, they can't cope with the real world. Uh, so I think it will be total anarchy. I don't think these people can be productive. They're more interested in uh, social justice as they see it or in, uh, you know, uh, no carbon emission, all that sort of stuff. I mean, they're on this mission, on this crusade, because they like religion and they need to find something. They need to find something. And that's the new thing, you know, the environment or the LGBT or anti-racism or whatever, you know, they just find something that's going to make them feel better. And, and they just go about imposing that to people, but it, it, they're not productive. You need to produce something. You need to value work. They don't value any of that. They just want to be given everything. But you cannot redistribute wealth if you don't create it first. And yeah. that they don't understand. So well, I just see I just see that like, you know, running out of, completely running out of money and these people not being able to cope with the real world and, and just hatred and more division. I so, don't see that ending well at all. So, so what about for you personally, right? Because I need to, I need to go to Zion. That's what I, you know. Well, uh, and and that's and that's what I was getting to. And and that's you'll be 
you'll be the the first and then i'm doing another one um tomorrow with another gentleman from the uk uh, a young man actually like 18 who oh. who is like a fundamentalist now um wow. but i've gotten emails right that which freaked me out the first time i saw something come from like google.uk right or something like that whatever the yeah. moniker was where where this thing was brought up and i want to be careful here because because i've said this before on the podcast and and i truly mean it i'm nobody's leader not at all i'm not your priest i'm not your pope i'm not your you know your bishop however i i get this feeling like the lord the lord may end up calling people out of of england again and out of those areas again because um the the wheels of the mob get slowed down because of the first amendment right and and when i get <clears throat> i get lambasted from time to time because i the the freedom movement and the liberty movement is something that's near and dear to my heart because of just this if you can't have freedom of conscience if you can't say the unpopular thing you really don't have freedom and you really yeah. don't have the opportunity to practice your religion as you see fit as god has deemed it to you yeah. and so i i really do think that that before everything is said and done we could see another wave of religious immigration again coming out of europe i really do i think it will be a, 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 as far as i can tell and granted, I don't talk to a ton of Baptists or anything else, so I wouldn't mm -hmm. know. But as far as I can tell, there'll be another Mormon exodus moving across the Atlantic again. Because they're going to have to. It, unless this somehow gets stifled, which is a possibility, right? That that something comes oh, up is, and push, no, yeah. push against yeah. it. You're right. Because it gets to a point now, like uh, I really cannot be... You know, you say, well, how do people react? And, you know, like uh, 10 years ago, I could tell people I've been baptized, I've been this and that. Now, I cannot talk about this in, in a workplace. You know, this is really like uh, I, I, I put myself in danger um, because it's so unpopular. And, uh, you know, things that I thought were were OK, maybe not popular, but OK, are not very controversial or deemed divisive or hateful or or criminal, they would say. Uh, and so you really need to be careful. And then you feel like so isolated in that respect, not because you're alone practicing your faith in uh, in Britain, but because like you really have to watch your back. You have to, you know, keep, keep up your guard all the time because you're like, you don't know what these people could do or say against you. So, you know, when people say, what are you doing on Sunday? Well, just rest, you know, just read books. What do you read? Oh, you know, history books or theology oh and uh, you know and you just i just try to 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 really uh not make any waves like that but in a way that it was not the case 10 years ago it was you know i would get this oh you know i'm gonna end up on a compound or something you know people say i don't want to be friends with you dude but that was fine but now i feel like this would this could be very very dangerous for me you know i could lose a lot of things could lose my job and you know and or, or, or could be worse than that so so you're right i think something's gonna have to give or we're gonna have to move 
have you seen any anything? Because I'm pulling for 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 the UK. I really am pulling for the UK, right? Because because yeah. as you you as you alluded to, and you're 100 percent correct. Except for the revolution in the 1812, the two countries have always kind of had each other's back, mm-hmm. right? And and so I'm kind of pulling for them. Do you see anything happening in the UK right now that maybe? Um, gives you hope that okay maybe maybe this tide will turn a little bit i think sometimes when you speak to people you realize that what the work they infiltrate institutions like i said and everything you know it's kind of like in in shining law and they're in academia and then museums are everywhere the bbc i mean you know like that's a big propaganda thing for for the work now um but people don't really buy into that. Um, and uh, I think people are much more conservative than, maybe not with Big C, but right. much more socially conservative than, you know, and, and I think that's why all these people voted for for Brexit or Boris Johnson, you know, at the time, like right. in uh, 2019. Uh, I think people would never voted conservative before because they needed something done. They didn't like the way that the left was doing things, you know, this identity politics and, and all this kind of like redefining what we've always taken for granted in the past and, and losing sight of what their day job should really be, you know. Um, so I, I think, you know, on on an, collectively, no, I see, I don't see any hope. But on the, on the individual level, I think there's a lot of people who are starting to question things and push back saying things have gone a bit too far. And actually, the leader of um, in Scotland, uh, you know, was deposed because she was really pushing for trans rights in a, in a way that like people, I could say I self-identify as a woman. And I think three months later, I could get a card or something that said that I was a woman. You need a, you didn't, and I could be 16, could be four. I mean, you know, so, and then you can do everything you want, you know, like, because now you're, I'm a woman. So I can go to, I can do, um, you know, women's sports. So I can do this. And and there's been a, you know, there's been, she, she's, she was very popular. Nobody, she wasn't touchable. And then people decide that actually, you know, no, that's going to be too far. And so she quit. She said it was not the reason, but it kind of was the reason. Uh, we also see, I lost my train of thought. I was thinking of something else as well, um, that you can see that people actually have, um, oh gosh, it's gone now. Um, but you do, I think, you know, pe- people are, are, are pushing back on the green agenda as well. Like, uh, you know, there's been like this incentive for people to get money. They were going to change their boiler and get like some heat pump instead. It's not happened. Um, so I think you can see that there's like some some resistance, but it was very, for me, like the, the COVID restrictions, uh, that's when I, I, I kind of like lost faith in uh, in the government. Uh, and because we have a conservative government, that's a thing. So it's like, if that's happening, you know, when we've got a conservative government, what's going to happen when the left wins in the next right. election? And we're set to win. Um, but, you know, people were so compliant because they played on the fear of people. So people were so compliant. They were even like, you know, there was a special number you could call to uh, tell on your neighbor. If you saw your yeah. neighbor like going to a supermarket twice a day instead of just once, you could call the number. The police even issued like a, a statement saying, please stop calling us. 
And so then they had a web page instead where you could report people for doing the wrong thing. Absolutely terrible. The things that happened were absolutely terrible. I lost faith in the police as well at that time. Um, they were very handy on people, you know, giving tickets to people. Just if they were sitting alone in the park. It was not allowed. You were only allowed in the park if you're going to exercise, not sitting down. Um, yeah, that was a bit too much. But no, you see some people kind of pushing back now. There's some fringe parties. There's always been some fringe parties, I suppose. But, you know, we're kind of getting a bit of momentum and some... Uh, so so you, you do get some um, dissonant voices, uh, I'd say. So I think I think there's, uh, there's a bit of hope. There was one example that's gone. I'm sure it's going to come back after we, we're done here. But uh, What was but, it like during COVID? Well, uh, you were not allowed to um, leave your home unless it was to exercise once a day or go to the, buy essentials. That's another thing. If you went to a supermarket or anything, the grocery store, you had to buy essential. Now, who decides what's essential? I know for you, Doritos are essential. Yes, right? Doritos were essential. So... Yeah, no, I would, <laughs> I would have thrown tea into a harbor had they right? said you cannot buy Doritos exactly. during COVID. So, so that was like very, uh, it was very draconian here. Like you were not allowed to, uh, I mean, some example, you know, like we, I think it was pretty much the same in lot, many parts of the world in Europe too. But uh, one thing that I found was very, very strange here is that at some point you were allowed to go to, uh, we're allowed to go to a pub um, or to a restaurant, but music was not allowed. They were not allowed to play music. Um, I don't know. Wow. So, Wow. Yeah, so you would go wow. to a pub or restaurant, you had to wear the mask as soon as you were sitting down, you could take it off, of course, but if you went to the bathroom, you had to put it back on and this and that and follow the, the arrows. Everybody was very compliant. I hated that so much. You know, I tried to, I was trying to, you know, break the rules a little bit just to feel like you, you're getting a bit of a, you know, you, you like still, you still, a, a person, you still, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there was no music, for example, things like that. Um, uh, yeah, you had to queue to enter the supermarket, but in the supermarket, like you could just be next to the next person and everything. It was, but when you were queuing, you had to be like, you know, six feet apart. Right. But once inside, anything went. It's like, you know, uh, very, very strange, very, very strange. But, you know, and and, and the fear factor was, was a big thing. Uh, everything shut down. Uh, you had to stay at home. Um, you couldn't see your loved ones. If you had loved ones at the hospital, you could go see them. They would die alone. In the meantime, our government, you know, people in government, they would have parties, birthday parties. Uh, you were not allowed to hug people, but some of them had affairs at the same time. You know, they were sleeping with men's wives. And these are the men in government. Right. We, so, we, saw, we saw very similar things. Like, I remember um, there were like no public gatherings, unless it's to protest. Right then, you, then you can. Then oh, you can for BLM, they were able to. Okay, so you were not allowed to protest if you were uh, anti-vax or if you were anti-lockdown. You say anti-vax, anti-lockdown in the in the US. We're not allowed to protest, but BLM was allowed because we did respect social distancing, so that that was okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We we we. I still have the photos on my laptop because I'm convinced they're going to go away. In the heat of the pandemic. You have people shoulder to shoulder marching in the streets, and I'm all for that right. That's mm -hmm. your right. But for some reason, it was okay for that side of the spectrum, but not the other side. Yeah. And, and, and so 
I, I'm with you. It was, a, it was a real weird time. Um, I, I do remember this sticks out to me more than anything else. And I still haven't, I haven't figured out what the significance is yet. Um, I'm sure it'll come to me at some point, but um, this was right before Utah went on lockdown. Um, and the governor came out and he said, in I think it was three days, he said, we're going to go into official lockdown. And now, fortunately, because my wife was raised a Mormon, she's got all the Mormon genes, right? And so she's been prepared for, I don't know, a nuclear holocaust for like the last 15 years, right? So we were we were stocked up. We were fine. But it was the strangest thing. Like the night before the lockdown, I just kept getting this prompting, go to the grocery store. And there's a big chain of grocery stores out in the West called Winco, Right. Go to Winco, just down the street, just go. I'm like, but I don't need anything. Why would I want to go out? But I just kept getting this prompting, go. You need to look, you need to see. And I remember I went and I just walked around the store. And for the first time in my life, the shelves were empty. Mm -hmm. And at two in the morning, it was chaos, utter chaos. I mean, these poor people who worked at Winco, they would wheel off a pallet of food. And as soon as it was done, it, it wouldn't even get unpacked. People would just start tearing the boxes open. Yeah. yeah. And I saw, I saw fear like I'd never seen in people before. And it, it made a huge impression. And, and I felt sorry for him. I was like, oh, why? Why? What, 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 what is it that has allowed you to get to this point? Mm-hmm. And, and, <sighs> That's the part that was so disturbing to me was how easily they were able to capitalize on fear. And when I say they, I mean those in power, right? Yeah. How easy it was for them to capitalize on that and get people to fall in line. Absolutely, yeah. So it sounds like it was pretty similar. Although I'll say this, especially around where I live, we were done with the masks in like, three months we were like screw this this isn't working i've loved them here they love the masks here really oh yeah 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 so yeah like uh, i would get you know some people would have a go at me for not wearing the mask here and there but you know it's fine um but no that was uh that was uh, very interesting times but you know what what i found very interesting uh you know being in europe and because you know coming from different country as well and you know speaking different languages uh, what i found very interesting is that all different leaders it, it, it's like they they were all singing from the same hymn sheet they yeah. were using the same vocabulary they were using the same metaphors there was this thing about the tidal wave and every language it's like gosh is it are they given something and then they got someone to translate it for them because they all said the same stuff Right. Um, you know, the timing was a bit different at times, even in parts of the UK, they would introduce something and then a week later, it would be another part of the UK and this and that. But but everybody was saying the same and the same words. I'm like, is it a concerted effort? Is it a global thing? You know, it's kind of like, you know, when people say, well, you know, your conspiracy theories, I'm like, I want them to be theories. I want them to be. But they always turn out to be reality eventually. And you never give me credit for them. 
when when you know? more yeah when mormons tell me it's a conspiracy theory and i say have you read the book of mormon because it's chock <laughs> yeah. full of them right oh uh, yeah yeah so yeah you get and you, uh, i think it was personally that's my personal uh thing nothing to do with religion just my personal opinion is that this was an exercise in my disobedience and that's very scary how well it worked yeah how well it worked everywhere I mean, the French are always in the street demonstrating for one thing or another. They were not. They were not doing COVID. They were all very compliant. It was very strict on there. You had to carry a pass, like a, a passport in a way. You could print it out yourself and think like, why are you out of your house? You had to say you're going to the supermarket. You're going to the doctors. You're going, I mean, and they complied. And they complied. I just think the next, next time is going to be some emergency. And there's always some like crisis or emergency then this would be reinstated now in the uk we see that with the environment i mean this is already like a, a hot summer um in very standards anyway it's pretty hot when the 80s which is like you know a real heat wave over here but you know like uh, last summer it hasn't happened yet but last summer like schools were shut uh transport was not working one airport was shut down as well uh, the mayor of London was saying, you know, left wing, of course, said no barbecues, no nothing. This is the most, um, what I say, it was a crisis, like a most, you know, an emergency. We never had fires like this since a war. And that's not true. The fires have been there uh, since the 80s, not not the 40s, but the 80s. I think they're a third, uh, two thirds down. I think I've got some uh, some data about that. Um, and um yeah, the two-thirds, they've fallen two-thirds since the 80s. And there's no increased wildfires across the UK. There's no, there's a record low grass fires. I, I looked up, looked this up before, because uh, I thought we're going to talk about that. Uh, but apparently, yeah, everything needs to, to be shut down. Everything's an emergency. What used to be a hot day is now like, you know, a natural disaster. And we need to pay more tax as well to tackle uh, <laughs> rising temperatures or something but yeah so they put the fear in people and i think it works because a lot of people a lot of people uh think actually yeah this is an emergency and we need to do something and even if that means we're more poor if we're impoverished in the process it doesn't matter because we need to save a planet now you got lots of children going about with what now they term climate anxiety because they've got the fear put in, in, into them by the media by their school teachers or something and that's a thing you know, climate anxiety. That's nuts. So yeah. I think that yeah, they use that because they, they start using that in some places. And, you know, and I think, you know, they really want controllers. We've got the 15-minute city thing as well in the UK. It's been, it's been introduced in London, in Oxford. It's going to be introduced in other parts of the UK. Uh, and think about it, during lo lockdowns, what, what we're saying, you're not allowed to go, you, you can... You can only travel within five miles, no more. Sometimes it was one mile or something. But well, what's 15 minutes? That would be like five miles. You know what? Utah's about to get their first one. Right you down see? the road. 
What's but wasn't that wasn't that like some preparation for it saying you're not allowed to to cross you know this you go five miles and then you get fined if you do that's exactly what's going to happen that's what's going to happen in oxford and if you go to your to a different neighborhood and you don't know the new laws there's like cameras everywhere or there's some borders that prevent you from going through but you're not supposed to go and again people are it's not going to be good for businesses if you cannot go to that shop not everyone can be on a bike they want everyone to be on a bike it's not possible. Not everyone can be on a bike, you know? What about deliveries for stores? What about, you know, ambulances? What about all that? Right. No, Utah's about to get its first 15-minute city just at the point of the mountain. They're tearing down the old penitentiary. And right. th there was even, like, a national award given to Utah for it. And I'm like, this oh. is horrible. This yeah. is horrible. I yeah. mean, yeah. the... the it, it it's nuts and it sounds I mean, like we're dealing with with a lot of the same stuff um i guess the one thing i i take hope in here in the states is that things are things in the state aren't as homogenous as what they are in europe right i mean mm -hmm. there's so many different flavors so to speak within the states and so you can find a community still where you can belong and have like-minded people yeah well dude you're we've been all over the map <laughs> as far as what we, we have about let me say speaking of being all over the map uh in the netherlands in europe actually like speaking of pushing back now i remember what it was uh trans men women i'm not sure but they're not able to they're not allowed to compete in uk sports anymore so mm -hmm. i think you know this yeah so there are some changes and again, I don't think it's anything to do against trans people. I want that's the thing, David. You know, people would accuse me of this and that sometimes. It's like, no, I believe in freedom. I believe in freedom for everyone. I want everyone to be protected by the law. Yeah. I don't want to yield to anyone. Whatever color, creed, or sexual orientation or identity, I don't care. Just don't force me to be what I don't want to be. Yeah. But be what you want. I'm all for that. But, you know, so they will accuse of government of being transphobic. But I just think, you know, some, again, they took decisions before thinking things through. And I think that's what happened. But in the Netherlands, the government, and again, it's very collectivism, it's very Stalinist. They decided that, you know, the farmers are bad. I think it's the same in lots of different countries now, you know, because, uh, you know, the cows are bad because, you know, like they have flattened this the and that, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, so they said that basically they have to, the farmers, and the farmers, the Dutch farmers, like they produce a lot. I think it's in the, the order of like 30% um, of um, of cattle farms uh, need to be closed down by 2030, they said. So to have, to have nitrogen emissions. So that's what the EU decided. And they said, so they have to shut down the farms and if they don't, well, they have to sell them. So basically, they they can either sell the land to the state, or if they don't do it later on, it will be they will the, the state will take the land from them by force. Mm. Now, now people and the Dutch are normally like you know they, you know they're not like a rebellious rebellious people or anything you know, but they decide actually they were going to vote for that party, which is um, they called it the Farmer Citizen Movement. And they had some local elections, but these local elections, they kind of like, you know, um, they send people to the Senate. So it's actually quite important. And they won uh, 17 out of se se 17 out of 75 seats. 
So that makes it doesn't sound big, but that makes it the largest party in the Senate. So wow. there's pushback. These people are like, no, we need to protect our farmers and this and that. And we, you know, because they want, they don't want us to eat meat anymore. They don't want us to, you know, they want us to be vegan. They want us to eat insects instead. Or, you know, it's, again, I don't care if you want to, I've got vegan friends, you know, like they, they come to my house, I get some vegan stuff and I try to, I'm like, actually, this is pretty good. I'm not against any of that, but don't force me to go vegan. And my friends right. don't force me to do anything. You know, I got a friend, she feeds her kids. Um, she's like, you know, you know, and she gets a lot of crap from her vegans. She's like, well, I don't force my kids to be vegans. They can make their own choices. Right. But, yeah. Um, so you got, yeah. So, so, but I think some, you know, that some people start pushing back. And I think there's, I think there's, there's always hope, you know, when I read from the journal of these courses, you know, like during the civil war, I'm at, I'm on volume 10 or something now, during the civil war and everything, you know, like uh, there's this idea that this is going to be the end. And I'm like, well, were, were they wrong? Or maybe that was going to be the end. But then God decided, you know, actually, I'm going to give them more time uh, right. to repent and everything. Uh, they were convinced this was going to be the start, you know, the, and, you know, we had revelations saying that too. You know, Joseph received a revelation. That's where it's going to start. And then everyone's going to fall. And, and, and I believe that's what's going to, that's, what's going to happen but there's always hope that actually we could we could buy more time right um but you know i listened to your episode about the signs of time and it's like well it doesn't look very brilliant does it so i think we need to see i see that now sadly what's happening in the uk and and the western world as managing the management of decline right. basically right you know and uh and you know and we I mean, you know, we've got Latter-day Saints. I mean, we believe in the latter days, so this can go on forever, you know, anyway. So we just need to be prepared uh, for it. But it's uh, it's interesting times. I don't recognize the world. I don't recognize the, the country, the city I live in anymore. Everything, everyone, everything has changed so much. Right, right. No, I feel it here too. It, it, I think that's universal for those people who are awake. Not woke, awake. Not woke, awake. Yeah, yeah. big difference. <laughs> big difference. And, um, I just feel like a, I've always felt like a stranger in a strange land, you know, because of my circumstances, you know, being French in the UK, being a Mormon, being other things and all that, you know. But I really feel like, gosh, I'm so, I don't feel lonely, but I do feel like very isolated, isolated or alienated. You know, it's like, in a way, lockdown was not bad for me personally, on a personal level. I hated it from a political point of view and everything was happening but you know it's like dude i get to stay at home i don't need to see people i don't want to see uh i got my books i got you know i got the internet uh i still work i can still work from home that's fine i don't need to go out and see the world i don't want that you know i think that's a dif difficulty when you're uh, a fundamentalist in in europe when i got people approaching me saying i think i'm a fundamentalist i'm like well it's a very lonely road you know, because you say, is there other meetings? Can I join a group? I'm like, I don't think you can. I don't think anyone. Like if you say there's this dude in uh, in Britain who's reached out, that's fantastic. It's going to be two of us now. I love that. Uh, but, you know, it's like, well, you're going to be on your own. And I think the difficult part is really like, but you, we're not supposed to be in the world, right? And I think the law of gathering is not just so you can get out of Babylon and, and you know, escape the calamities. 
I, I, I think it's also because you're meant to be with other people. You're mm -hmm. brave and going to, 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 to teach you and support you. I think I knew so much sometimes. When I listen to your podcast, I'm like, gosh, I didn't know that. I speak to some friends, other funny friends, and I say things. They're like, well, what about that? I'm like, gosh, I never thought about it this way. Yeah. That's yes. why you need to be with your people as well. So you yep. can grow together. Um, but you know so so I, of course i don't get that here and you know i need to do my own thing but it, it's very difficult to to navigate because you're like well at the same time i don't want to be in the world but you know what i've got a job so i'm going to be with people i'm going to be with gentiles all day long all my friends here otherwise I, what, what's your i'm going to be a total hermit and not go to work and not speak to anybody not having any friends not having any relationships of any kinds I mean, so you always need to make sure, you know, like you're, it's like that Dylan song, you know, you got to serve somebody, the devil or God or something, you know, but you need, you got to serve somebody. And I always try to think, okay, well, am I doing okay? Are my actions okay before the Lord? Uh, because yeah, there are times you need to compromise in a way. I mean, not compromise on a fundamental level, but you know, you do, you're with people, you know, who do things that you wouldn't do, but hey, you know, it's either that or you never socialize with anyone. I spend a lot of time on my own. But you can't just be on your own all the time. It's gonna you're gonna be you're gonna be healthy, you know, mentally healthy as well. Like it's not it's not good just to be too isolated. But I think for me, like uh, Sundays are really the day that I set apart. I really observe it in a way that other people may not do it this way. Like I don't go out. I don't. I you know, I go on social media and this and that. But I, I really set that time apart. I read from the scriptures. I would pray several times. I would read from the journal of discourses. I listen to hymns and stuff you know i really set that day apart um and maybe i wouldn't need to do that if i was in utah if i if i had a few people uh a few of my brethren out there but because i'm on my own i really need to in a way rededicate myself to the lord and and i get this spiritual nourishment and this energy and uh for the week ahead right you know because the other day in the world and i need to be equipped yeah you know? yeah I, I think that's a good thing, even if you are surrounded by your people, right? Just shut it down. Just yeah. shut it down for a day and get, get close with yeah. God. And it's then, really good. I mean, I, lo I love my Sundays. They're my favorite day of the week. Right, right. You know? Do you, you, you talked about people coming to you saying, I think I'm a fundamentalist. How yeah. often does that happen out there? Well, so I got, I got two websites out there, uh, one in English and one in French. And so I got people from, a lot of people from, from Australia actually do contact. It doesn't happen that often. Maybe I would say one or two every six months. And they would ask some questions and I guide them to, you know, some Facebook groups or to, you know, I got your podcast in, uh, in the web page that I, that I have, you know, like uh, with lots of resources and, but a lot of time people want to meet people. They want to be go to meeting. They want to receive audiences here and there. And I'm like, I, there's nobody there, I'm afraid. So you're going to have to wait or travel. Um, um, but you do get people, you know, I, I get French people contact me as well. Uh, and But it's kind of like on and off and they're not so sure. I, I think it's tricky, you know, like a, it's very tricky. But at the same time, I don't think there's been any better time to be a fundamentalist outside the united states because now right. we're like you and i are speaking here now face to face in the past even 20 years ago that would be maybe 
well, 20 years ago, it would have been letters or something. I mean, you know, it would take three weeks to cross the ocean. I remember right. that you know, when I wrote to my missionary out there and everything. It would take three weeks to receive stuff. And uh, so, you know, and because of the internet, you don't, need, you don't need to order books from the States. You've got everything here at your fingertips. You can access the journal of these courses. I read, I'm old fashioned, I like books. So I read them, you know, in their book format and stuff. I saved up to, to buy them, but you get access to absolutely everything. So there's never been a better time to be a fundamentalist outside the United States. Before you, before we jump off, I'll make sure I send you a link. Um, the 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 church I attend, we 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 put our meetings out on Zoom. So if cool. anybody wants to join that, they they're more than welcome to. I can I can usually make that available pretty. Are, are they live? Um, yes, they are live. Yeah, probably be in bed when you have them. You see, I see, yeah, I, I guess yeah. that's part of the issue. Yep, yep. But yeah, yeah, no, that's that's. I could I could try, I could try like sometime though, like you know. Let, uh, let, let me do this. Off. Let me talk to some people higher up, and see if maybe that's not something we can do to make those available on a recording. Um, because I I would hate I would hate to see people who have a desire for the fullness mm-hmm. not be able to at least sample it on yeah. on zoom i think it's it, it it's vitally important um and and like i said i really do feel in my gut we're gonna see another wave of uh, of immigration and stuff of, of immigration of, of, of a religious exodus again within mormonism people, yeah. Yeah. coming out of europe i i just i feel it everything in me likewise i I do feel like that that more people in the states are waking up to to fundamentalism. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't have many people contact, but even like French <coughs> people in in the UK, there's only like less one hundred and fifty thousand people were members of the LDS Church. So just to have like a few of them every year contacting me or saying this and that, I mean, I think it's that's a healthy that's no. yeah two two people every six months. That's that's actually probably a pretty healthy yeah percentage and I, and I guess they see like what i said you know i was in the states i was scared of what the world was lying ahead and i think i had the advantage i was blessed with having contacts there being there having tried it you know speaking to people and having been there before so for me although it was scary it's like i didn't feel this kind of like wow it's never going to happen it's not worth it you know i should yeah um you know i always tell people and if anyone you know is listening like, i'm willing to travel uh, if you know people, I was saying you know this guy wanting to be baptized in France. I'm like, there's no problem. I can I, I can come to France. I can do it. Uh, I'm happy to do it. So if there's anyone you know in Europe, um, because I don't know if there's I I don't want to be the only one, but I think I might be the only one at the moment that people can contact to receive some ordinances. You're um, definitely the most out front. That's that's for certain. So, but I think, I think that's about to change. I think, I honestly think you're about to get some help. Well, so, yes, I'd like, I'd love that. I'd love that. So, I'd yeah. Love to, uh, yeah. Yeah. So maybe in a year time, we can have another episode and I can give you an update on that. Absolutely. But, I mean, that would be, I'd love to just, you know, I had some people visiting from the States where friends of friends and, and we had our own meeting in my, in my living room and it was just, just the three of us, but I loved it. I'm like, I never get to do that. You know, only when I travel to the States uh, and I haven't been in the last uh, five years, 
So I'm hoping to go next summer. That's kind of what I'm trying to do. And hopefully I can meet you and other people over there. But uh, but yeah, you know, I think it, it is important to, to, to have that. So I'm willing to travel for that. And I hope we'll have more people, you know, uh, waking up and and i think the problem is that you know the lds church is changing so much and used to make me angry and it just makes me really really sad yeah i don't recognize it and i think some people are probably in the same position and they thinking well actually either they live they they, they go along with it with the changes and i know people were perfectly happy to do that or they question them and they're like well actually i don't believe in it and i'm just going it's changing too much and it's not and they leave the church altogether and actually i knew a bishop who actually decide to to give up right and there are people who will say well actually now that i find out about this all the doctrines that they don't teach anymore or that they've changed yet again then i'm going to become a fundamentalist right so i think you're right i think you're right we'll see more people coming coming forward absolutely dude that was awesome that was fun so, yeah i really enjoyed it thank you for giving me this opportunity really enjoyed right. that and yeah. I tell everybody, I'm sure there's a lot more things I want to say and probably more, you know, more eloquent way, but never no, mind. You it, did was great. Still, it was still good. You, you did great. So, um, I tell everybody this and I mean it, you've been on once you have a standing invitation to come back on. You just need to tell me when. All right. I will. Thank you very much. Appreciate awesome. that. Thank you, Fabian. Bye. Okay. Thank you. You take care. Bye now. You're listening to the Mormon Renegade Podcast.